Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now, it's time to get to work. Ian, kind of a, a fun little time here for us. I know it seems a little strange to say that with these weird uh, COVID news things and whatnot, but the Broncos are starting to report back to the facility. So you've got uh, the Denver Broncos rookies, uh, quarterbacks, and injured vets who have uh, reported back to Broncos facilities at Dove Valley, and looks like, uh, at least for now, football is a go. We're, we're moving forward, which uh, we love to see, right? And what they're doing now is uh, going through the process of getting tested, and then I think it's like 48 hours before they come back and get tested again. So they're not going to be doing any on-field work until uh, early August, and uh, in my Sunday horse tracks, I broke down what the schedule will look like for training camp. And it's basically, it's brought up into three phases, broke up into three phases, the acclimation period, which runs August 3rd to August 11th, gradual ramp up period from August 12th to August 16th, and then contact integration period, August 17th through September 6th. So between now and August 3rd is basically just testing to make sure that players are healthy, ready to go, and obviously don't have the coronavirus. Right. And, you know, it's interesting. And we, we actually just, just before we uh, started recording, I went back and, and sort of watched again, although I really only watched the first little bit of it, the video that the Broncos put out of, of Bradley Chubb going through the facility. And they ran him through every single section of the of the training facility, locker rooms, meeting rooms, training rooms, uh, all of the, the stuff that you have to do to get in, the, the food court, which, you know, just kind of, it sort of blows your mind how big these facilities are and how much stuff they have. That's kind of the fun part of watching that. And then the weight room. Yeah, the weight room. I, I said training room. I think I went with training room because you do more than just weights in there. Sometimes you run on a treadmill or you ride a bike. There's things. There's other. But yeah, it's a, it's a weight room. 
that one to me was actually really interesting because he talked about guys that get assigned to rack and plates and a section. Once you're assigned to a section, that's yours and everything is yours. And then he had like a fogger thing to spray stuff down. He said it was electromagnetically charged, so it would go right to the metal and start cleaning right away. It was, it was, it was cool to see that the Broncos had a plan in place to help keep their players healthy and safe. And that's that's what this is all about. This restart program or this sort of getting back to football is strange to us because it is all about keeping the players safe and keeping them healthy. And not just the players, but the family members they're going home to and the coaches and the trainers and the staff that works there. The idea is creating an environment that everyone can go to and feel comfortable being there that they won't have something like catching the coronavirus pop up and, ha- and then they have to deal with that because it is, a, it is a difficult thing to have to deal with. So I like seeing that they've got all of those things in place. But the thing I really like seeing is that you've got, you've got players coming into the facility and they're going to start working and train and we're going to, we're going to start seeing some, some football stuff going on here. And the reason all of this happens is because the Broncos were one of the first organizations to have their coronavirus protocols for their facility approved by the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment. And this ties into what the Broncos have been doing with sports betting since it officially launched on May 1st, being the first organization in the NFL to have official sports betting partnerships. They have three now. They have the one with FanDuel, they have the one with Betfred, and then they have um, the one with BetMGM. And all of them will have on-site betting lounges in some form or fashion, except for maybe FanDuel. Um, But now you add in how progressive they were on getting these protocols in place to get approved by the state. So clearly the Broncos were working with members of CDPHE to get these protocols in place so it was approved. So that's great to see. Um, Whether or not this is able to hold up for all 32 teams, we will be able to tell over the next month or so, given all the, the trouble with baseball, especially one organization in particular that's down in Miami. But I, I think when you have organizations putting forth these protocols like this and taking it seriously, that's the first step. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, it's interesting you're talking about uh, the issues that different teams are going to face. I, I just happened to be watching Dan Patrick, and they, they do these like in-between-the-show bits on YouTube, which is where I watch it. Uh, and they were showing uh, a possible way to split up the league differently so that teams were basically in regions and they didn't have to do too much travel. And it's interesting to just look at the map and see how isolated the Denver Broncos actually are from the rest of the league. Most of your teams are in the east and in the south and in the west, on the west coast. And then you have really only two teams that are not in sort of that cluster and that's the Denver Broncos and the Kansas City Chiefs. And so you, when you start to talk about teams and, and being able to open up their facilities, you also are looking at places that have high population densities. You have places that are dealing with the coronavirus in different stages. And I know that, you know, wh- however you feel about what's going on in the world, every government, every state government is having to deal with this and having to, to put plans in place, which means every sports franchise is having to sort of bend to or or sort of acquiesce to what those state governments are doing and the denver broncos were proactive in the way that they went about putting things together putting a plan in place making sure that there were protocols you know one of the things i thought was interesting when they showed bradley chubb enter the building aside from him uh trying to park in john elway's spot which is is funny is that they gave him a lanyard that he had to wear everywhere he went and it was required and that way they knew where he was and they, they could kind of monitor what was going on. And then when he left the facility, he had to give it back. You walk in and you put your phone in one of the you know little boxes and it cleans it. There's cameras that have heat sensors. They're heat cameras. So if somebody's running too hot, they can catch that, pull the player aside and, and take a look at him and make sure everything's okay. Again, it's about the, the health and safety of the players, the coaches, the staff, the, the people who are, are just, you know, working in the facilities, the, the cooks, 
You know, you've got you've got trainers, you've got lots of people beyond just the players that you have to consider. And I think as fans, we have a tendency to forget about that. We, you know, when you talk about uh, sports teams, you really only talk about players and coaches for the most part. Maybe you get into general managers and owners, but you don't really go beyond all that. This has forced us as fans to recognize how far reaching the impact of the Denver Broncos and other sports franchises are on their community with the number of people that actually work for those franchises. I mean, I went to high school with somebody who for a long time was someone who worked with the Denver Broncos. I had no idea she worked with the Denver Broncos, but she did. And when I found out, I was shocked. So th- there there are people who aren't even sports fans that end up working for these sports franchises. And you have to you know be aware of the number of people that are impacted by this. And it again, and I keep going back to this, the excitement that we start to feel over just the fact that the rookies, you know, you got Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler and uh, Alberto Akbuegunam. Got to got to make sure I say his name. You know, Ojemudier. You got the your rookies reporting. You got your quarterback. So Drew Locks in the house, walking in, looking cool with his mask on, and your injured vets like Bradley Chubb showing up to get ready to play the season, which is what we are all excited for and and really can't wait for. The other thing that they've done, which is big, is to go through with social distancing. They have players wearing bracelets that will alert them if they're getting too close to other people. And to me, the big thing is, is they're taking it seriously. It's better to be too serious than not serious enough. Because if you're too serious, it's the greater, you're giving your yourself the greater opportunity to play the game because you're increasing the likelihood that you can play as opposed to not taking it seriously enough where you could potentially end up being like the Miami Marlins. Exactly. I mean, and that really is, and I've, I always say, and I, you know, of course I've got two little kids at home. Uh, they're not so little, I guess. And it's, you know, well, why do we have to do these things? And I always tell them it's, I would rather err on the side of caution. You know, my, my job is your health and happiness, but health comes first kind of thing. We've had that conversation. And I think it's the same thing here with the Denver Broncos and other sports franchises, it's about the health of their players and, and their, and their staff and the people that work there. And, and so they're doing a great job. And, and I hope that that will continue and you'll see that with other franchises and with, with other places that are going to be able to start instituting these plans and these protocols and making sure that they're keeping everybody as safe as possible. And I would also say that the Miami Marlins situation is a good one as sort of a, a, a cautious tale, right? That, if you're not paying attention to it and you're not doing the things that you're supposed to be doing correctly, it, your team can get swept up in it and it can impact not just the players on your team, but players on other teams, uh, the people who work for your, for your team. I mean, it, it is go, the Miami Marlins are going to have a, a huge impact on the major league baseball season just because they either, they didn't take it seriously enough or they, you know, they missed something. And so you have to be diligent in the way that you approach this. And that was, uh, that was comforting a little bit to see that the Broncos were being diligent in the way they approach things. The spacing of the lockers too. That's the other one. Every other locker. So they've got two locker rooms essentially and two training rooms where, you know, you go in to get, you know, your leg massaged or whatever. They've got two rooms for that too. So they're, they're taking it seriously. They're doing their dil- due diligence to make sure that everybody is healthy and safe. The other way that you're seeing it is in roster construction, because there are two ways for NFL teams to prepare their rosters for training camp. That's to keep your roster at 90. And then you have until August 16th to cut down to, to 80, or you can start off at 80 right away. And the Broncos have chosen the latter because one of the things between the two is you have to, if you, if you keep your roster at 90 players, you have to split the squad and then, move down to 80 ahead of August 16th. So you have to split your roster into two groups as opposed to keeping it as one if you cut down to 80. And that's what the Broncos have done. And if you haven't seen the list of players released in the first wave as of Monday, the Broncos released Kahani Smith, Riley Neal, Trey Crawford, Kelvin McKnight, Kalfani Muhammad, Shaquille Taylor, Nico Fala, and then they released Joel Heath, and then on Monday, Kyle Pecco announced that he is going to opt out of playing uh, in 2020 because of uh, the coronavirus. 
Right. And, and we'll get back to sort of the opt-outs here in a little bit because we are going to talk a little bit about that. But that is a good way to sort of pare down the roster a little faster. I think that's kind of the idea is you want to get through that process more quickly just because the fewer people you have, the lower the likelihood is that you're going to have to deal with with a, a coronavirus outbreak in your locker. And, and you know, it sort of reminds me of and, – and I'm trying to remember it was the Tampa Bay Bucks who had the issue of um, – the men, was it meningitis running through their locker or MERS? It was MERS, I think, running through their locker room uh, for a little while. And, th- and that can be something that is really dangerous. And that's something that you, can, you can't contain it in the same exact way. But it does sort of show you that a locker room is an environment where things are going to spread if you're not careful. You know, you have that, uh, you know, sort of enclosed space with lots of bodies and lots of people doing things. And so you have to take it seriously. I, I want to get to the fact that the rookies are reporting because that to me has been sort of the excitement for Bronco fans throughout the off season is yes, we have had some, some excellent trades and Jarrell Casey and AJ Boyer and the addition of Graham Glasgow on the offensive line and free agency, which is, which is great. And so you've had some moves that the Broncos have made for veterans, but then the draft, I think was one of those things that was very exciting for most fans and the excitement behind the draft means that as the rookies are reporting, we can get excited about those rookies again and start to really uh, talk about which players are going to have the, the, the most impact when the season does eventually start. And just to travel back just a little bit, I think the reason that they're making the decision to cut down to 80 right away is obviously to list, to list, the rent the to limit the risk of a, a potential outbreak by not having as many people, but also so you it makes it easier to evaluate the players on the roster instead of having to split them up into two groups. You can just keep one group, which will make it a little bit easier for LA and the front office and then Vic Fangio and his coaching staff to evaluate the players. And in terms of the rookies, it's an interesting topic. Who's going to be the rookie that has the biggest impact on the roster. Who's the most important? I guess the better way to, 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 to phrase it is who's the most important rookie on the roster, not named Jerry Judy. Yeah, that's a, you do have to put that stipulation on it because if it looks like Jerry Judy will be the rookie, that is the most important, but I'm going to go, on, on the same side of the football, slightly different position, I'm going to go with Albert Akbueguanam, uh, Albert O. And I think that that was a really uh, smart pick by John Elway because one of the things that you have in Noah Fant as a tight end is a player that can, um, can, can really do a lot of things athletically, but his connection with Drew Locke might not necessarily be there right away. They're going to have to work into that. Albert O has a history with Drew Locke. And if your goal is to create an environment where your young quarterback can be successful, one of the best things you can do is bring in a player that you know already has a solid relationship with your young quarterback, almost like giving him a security blanket, making sure that he feels you know, comfortable in everything that he's doing. And so drafting Albert Akbueguanam gives... Drew Locke, a player that he knows very well, he understands his skill set, and it's somebody that he's probably going to look to in times when things are a little bit difficult. Now, I'm not saying that Albert O replaces Noah Fant in any way. In fact, what I'm saying is Noah Fant is going to be very good in this offense. I think he's going to be very successful. Albert O becomes that second tight end that you can put in during during a game that is, is the guy that when Drew Locke starts to struggle or he starts to things start to kind of break down on him, he knows where he's going to be. He has that uh, that sort of connection from playing with him throughout college that will give them uh, a little bit more success or a chance at success at the NFL level. So again, I'm not saying he's going to be the starting tight end over Noah Fant. I'm just saying that that's a really good pick and that's going to help the development of your young quarterback. And that's what makes him what what I think is the most important rookie not named Jerry Judy. My pick, I would actually argue, is more important than Jerry Judy because that's how valuable I think he is to this roster, and that's Lloyd Cushenberry. 
if he's able to turn into what everyone hopes and thinks, me included, he's going to be able to set this offense up. He is going to be what will allow Drew Locke and Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler and Noah Fant and Albert Aku Ibunam, Philip Lindsay, Melvin Gordon to turn into that offense that has so much potential. And it starts with the offensive line. And I, I, for those who have listened to the podcast, remember when he was selected and even before that, I wanted the Broncos to get him because he's the type of player you want on the offensive line. He's a very, he's very similar to Dalton Reisner and how smart and intelligent he is on the field, how effective and strong he is at his position. And because he's a leader. I mean, I've said this before, Joe Burrow raved about Lloyd Cushenberry being the leader of that national championship team that beat Clemson in the national championship game. It wasn't Joe Burrow. It was Lloyd Cushenberry who set the tone for that team and that offense. If he's able to carry that over to the Broncos, that's going to be what sets this offense up. That's going to be what will be that allows Jerry Judy to be the player that everyone expects him to be. So I, to me, it's Lloyd Cushenberry. And I, I agree with you on, on Albert O. Um, you could, I, I think you could throw in uh, Michael Ojemudie if he's able to turn into that depth nickel back that is a, a big question mark right now for this team. I think one thing to keep an eye on is there are a couple of big-name free agents still out there, namely Logan Ryan, for the Broncos to go and potentially go after as a, a third defensive back to add to the secondary if John Elway and Vic Fangio don't like what they see the first couple of weeks of practice. Though it's a little more difficult since you basically only have a month to get ready for the season. But to me, Lloyd Cushenberry is a fascinating player. He's obviously incredibly intelligent. He's a leader. I, I'm excited to see what he can bring, and the hope is that he can turn into a Tom a Tom Nalen esque fixture and anchor at the center position for this offensive line. Yeah, I think you nailed that too. I I, I totally agree with that assessment. You know, when, and when you look at the number of rookies that can have a positive impact, I'm glad you mentioned Michael Ojemudier because because I think he is potentially that guy that can step in and not necessarily I'm not nobody's asking him to be a starter you know and that's the other thing that I think he you know he and Albert O sort of fit in that same mold nobody's asking them to be the starter nobody nobody has said you know this guy's got to come in and, and be lights out but what what people are going to ask of them is to contribute when they get on the field and that's a huge that's a huge thing to have in a you know sort of a mid-round rookie which is what those guys are your point about Lloyd Cushenberry, I think, could be made about most of the draft picks that the Broncos have made in recent years, and that's the point about leadership and about character. The Broncos have have started to focus, and this is something that we've talked about in the past. The Broncos have started to focus on drafting guys that, yes, are skilled. They have, uh, you know, they have the ability to play in the NFL, and then beyond that, you look at who they are on the team that they play for. Are they team captains? Are they leaders? Are they players that, uh, you know, other players look up to? And, and, you know, I think Jerry Judy is one of those guys by, that sort of does that by example when we've talked about what he, you know, what they used to have to do with him and pulling him out of the training room essentially because he's working too hard, which I think is a great example to set for your teammates. But then a guy like a Lloyd Cushenberry, who was clearly the team captain, that's the kind of thing you want to see, especially with a center, especially with an offensive lineman who really starts every play. And you bring up Tom Nalen. If the Broncos can have Lloyd Cushenberry turn into a Tom Nalen-esque player, you have the center locked down for 10 years minimum as a, a potential pro bowler every year. That offensive line is anchored by someone who is going to really make the offensive line better every single play. And we've talked about it. That interior offensive line has a lot of potential because of Dalton Reisner, because of Graham Glasgow, and then again, just like you said, because Lloyd Cushenberry has the potential to be a really, 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 really good center in the NFL. So it, there's 
there is excitement here and it's it's warranted excitement i don't think that this is the i'm a biased denver bronco fan type of you know, I, I think this is real excitement that you could have about this team if you were not a fan of the Denver Broncos. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is, yes, we're biased, but I don't think that this comes from a biased place, although I might be wrong. The other reason I love Lloyd Cushenberry is Drew Locke has only started five games in the NFL. So he's basically a blank canvas. He's talked about that. Or he he's able, Pat Shermer and Mike Shula are able to basically create what they want from him on this blank canvas that is Drew Locke. Lloyd Cushenberry is the same way, and he's going to be able to have develop that rapport with Drew Locke. Since Drew Locke has only played five games, he's not used to a guy like Jeff Saturday that Peyton Manning was used to all those years in Indianapolis when he came to Denver in 2012. So he's going to be able to start brand new with a rookie center while Drew Locke is also basically a rookie, that to me is huge because the rapport and relationship between a center and a quarterback is so important for an offense. And it's so important, especially for a younger quarterback. Yeah, I love it. I, I really do. I love the youth on this team, the the offensive youth especially. Uh, the defense is is you know, it's it's a bunch of veterans. It's, it was nice to see Bradley Chubb back in the building, looking like he was going to be just fine. It was, you know, it's been great to see Von Miller's training pictures and videos. I mean, there's there's a lot to be excited about here. And as the football season gets closer, it's gonna it's that excitement is going to build. Your your big concerns are just really going to become from how are things playing out around the NFL with other teams, uh, and also knowing that you're you're limited in what you can do in training camp and the number of, of players that you have. And then on top of that, you know, the preseason is just, it's gone. So we're pretty much starting football right away. That's just the way it is. So it's going to be a strange start to the season. It's going to feel fast. I think once things really start to get going and it's going to, that'll be hard on the rookies, but it's going to be fun to watch. I'm, I'm very excited about it. You mentioned Von Miller's photos and videos. Holy crap. He is shredded. My God. He, terrifying. He, he is obviously put in the work to be the dominant player that he clearly still thinks he is. And for whatever reason, outlets like CBS don't think he is. I, I think, and I wonder how much of this, he hasn't said it. I wonder how much of this is motivated by Drew Locke finally having the quarterback that he hasn't had since Peyton Manning retired. I wonder how much of Drew Locke's presence and influence is a part of this for Vaughn Miller. Yeah, I, th- I think that one of the things that Drew Locke does is he doesn't just create excitement for us as fans. The players in the locker room see a certain amount of potential. And, I, you know, you go back to the Case Keenum year and – there was some excitement in that you were getting a, a veteran quarterback who knew how to run uh, a huddle, which we talked about. That was neat, but he just wasn't very good at being a quarterback. And then you go to the Joe Flacco, you know, debacle really, and Joe Flacco just didn't mesh with the players in the locker room. There was no excitement around Joe Flacco. And again, it was well, elite. Well, he, he it wasn't it wasn't an elite relationship, that's for sure. And so that is really something that I find fascinating in that the motivation that Drew Locke brings in is in his youth, his exuberance and his enthusiasm for the game and what he can potentially bring to the table. It's about potential. It's not about, I've seen him do it for years and I think he can do that here. Like it was with Joe Flacco. And it's not about, wow, we had an amazing season last year and almost went to the Super Bowl, And maybe he can, that can translate to what we're doing here in Denver. Like, like Case Keenum. This is about we've got a guy we can we can build around for 5 8 12 16 years. So that is the type of excitement that a veteran like Von Miller who probably only has what five more seasons left. Am I being generous there? I don't even know. That and then he's done. He wants to spend the backside of his career playing with a quarterback that can lead the team and carry the team instead of having to do everything on defense. It it is excitement about having a quarterback that could potentially be a leader like Peyton Manning was. Cuz that was pretty nice for Von Miller. I think he enjoyed that. 
the other aspect that I think that ties into the players is his confidence. You, as a, as a former athlete and myself as a former athlete, having someone with confidence and a leadership position like a quarterback is infectious and it rubs off on, it rubs off, it rubs off on you, man. I'm having trouble speaking this morning, <laughs> but it really does influence you. You get motivated by it. When you see somebody like Drew Locke rapping on the sideline, you that impacts you. You you like to see that. That, that like, oh yeah, this guy has it. And Justin Simmons did an interview a couple of weeks ago with NFL Network talking about how it's not it's not overconfidence. It's not it's not arrogance. It's swag and confidence. And I I don't know how much ties into this because obviously he just won a Super Bowl and he's the new flavor of the month in the National Football League. But it it is a lot like Patrick Mahomes, where it's that just that fun aspect that that he knows he can do it quotient. And that's what's so invaluable. And that allows me to say I effing hate Ryan Pace. There you go. There you go. I like that you got to to get that in there. It's always a nice way to do things. All right, let's um, let's change gears a little bit. Let's downshift a little, uh, because the other thing that's happening in Broncos country right now is there is a a little bit of a push. So I'm I'm, I'm not even gonna. This is, I wouldn't even call this a pivot. I'm just gonna stop and go to something else here. Uh, there's a little bit of a push right now, uh, with the Broncos and Randy Gratishar potentially making it into the Pro Football Hall of Fame and. It's one of those things where we were somewhat excited about the potential for him to get into the Hall of Fame in what would have been this year's class, even though that's now been postponed due to the coronavirus. And there's a little bit of a potential for him to make it into next year's class, which means he would go in with this year's class. It's very confusing. I don't even know that I really want to go too far into the weeds on that. But it is something that we have spoken about a lot on the podcast. I think that um, most of the the show's here at Mile High Report, the you know Mile High Report Radio Network here have referenced it. It's something that needs to happen. Randy Gratishar deserves a shot, and so I'm I'm just you know you brought it up, and I'm going to let you kind of take the floor here. But let's just get that done. Let's let's work on that. Let's let's see if we can't make it happen. It, I feel like this is just a bad repeat. Yeah, I I just it it still pisses me off to no end that Randy Gratishar is not in the Hall of Fame. And you have a centennial class of 10 senior committee members or finalists, inductees. And Randy Gratishar is not included on them, but a horrible tackle for the Chicago Bears is. It's just, it's mind numbing. You have this group of people who are given the opportunity to select 10 people for the Pro Football Hall of Fame from the seniors selection for the seniors group. And you choose a left tackle for the Chicago Bears. Most people still don't even know who he is. I forgot his name. I legitimately yeah, I, don't remember who the hell he is. I can't think of it. And I, I live in the Chicagoland area. No idea who he is. And Randy Gratishar is not. We've gone over the stats. I've talked to Jim Sakamano about Randy Gratishar. If you it, it was from a couple of years ago. I, I would recommend going and reading it. I quote Merlin Olson, a Hall of Fame member of the Four Horsemen on the Los Angeles Rams defense. I, he was a broadcaster a lot of years with Dick Schapp on NBC. I quoted Steve Largent, Hall of Fame receiver. I think one of the most underrated players in NFL history because – he played at he he was unfortunate to play it around the same time as Jerry Rice. So he kind of gets lost in the shuffle, but he was a damn, damn good wide receiver for the Seattle Seahawks. Both of them said Randy Gratishar should be in the Hall of Fame. Tom Jackson obviously says, yes, Randy Gratishar was that good. There's still debate about the 2000 tackles, about Joe Collier and Jim Sakamano. Take that aside, and there are, there's still debate about whether or not the Hall of Fame voters are holding that against the Broncos. Okay, why are you holding that against Randy Gratishar? 
He had nothing to do with that. It's not like he told Joe Collier and Jim Sakamano to fudge his numbers. Just listen to the people who played the game, who broadcasted the game, who have been around the game. Merlin Olson, Steve Largent, Tom Jackson are just some of the few. And then I'm going to end this little rant from Andrew Mason when I wrote the latest story in, what was it, January when it was announced? Yeah, mid-January of this year. Which feels like 100 years ago right now. Oh, it does. Over the 84. That's right. Andrew Mason gave this stat, and it's been people have picked up on it. Jim Sakamano used it in his story over the weekend to push for Randy Gratishar, these three stats. And it's absolutely true. This is all that needs to be said about Randy Gratishar. Jeff Legwald, who has done a great job the last four years in getting Broncos into the Hall of Fame, a remarkable job getting Terrell Davis, Champ Bailey, Steve Atwater, Pat Bowen. All four of those guys are in the Hall of Fame in large part because of Jeff Legwald. This is all he has to say for the selection committee. And Pro Football Reference has it. Andrew Mason helped out with it. Jim Sakamano, I included it in my story, as I said, from January. There have been 10 linebackers in NFL history who have 20 or more career interceptions, 10 or more fumble recoveries, and seven or more Pro Bowl selections. Of those 10, eight are on the NFL Top 100. That was released earlier this year, last year, that Bill Belichick and Chris Collinsworth and Rich Eisen, whatever. Of those 10, nine were inducted into the Hall of Fame within two years of eligibility. As I said in the story, two mother-effing years. The one who isn't enshrined, Randy Gratishar. That is absurd. Nine of those 10 linebackers with the same statistics as Randy Gratishar were inducted into Canton within two years of eligibility. It's been over 30 for Randy Gratishar. I have nothing to add to that. So I think what we'll do is we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll have a, a little bit of a wrap-up period, and then and then uh, we'll send you on your merry way. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back. That was a good break, Adam. It allowed me to take a deep breath and calm down. Good time to lower you know, my blood pressure. Yeah. It was a good rant. It was a, it was a good rant. That brings up, we mentioned Kyle Pecco opting out. He's the first Bronco to do it. And I think it's important to point out at this point that no Broncos have tested positive for the ones who have come back to the facility and been tested at this point to throw out an Austin Powers reference. No one has tested positive after being tested. Um, Anyway, you're starting to see major players opting out. And there's one team in particular, and we'll have a little bit of a conspiracy theory on it, but this is where I'll let you take over. And, it's going to be interesting over the next week or so as players are starting when veterans report to their respective training camps and facilities, how many opt out. Yeah. The, so the opt out date and I'm trying to remember, I think it's August 3rd. I was just looking at the article here to make sure that I saw it correctly, but players are supposed to submit their opt out um, by August 3rd. If I'm looking at this right and you can correct me in the comments section if you want, cause I don't really care. Uh, but 
as Ian said, you have you have players who are starting to opt out, and and Kyle Pecko of the Broncos is the first one, so that's kind of our connection there. But then you can look at uh, a team that has uh, been pretty successful over the course of the last few years in the New England Patriots, and they are starting to see uh, some of their um, some of their better players. They've got a few good players who have decided to also opt out. So like, I'm just looking at just to kind of get a list here. I'm looking at Frank Schwab's article on Yahoo sports. Cause he's got a fairly complete list here of the players for the Patriots who have opted out. For example, offensive tackle, Marcus cannon opted out. Um, you have uh, Dante Hightower who just recently opted out. He uh, Dante Hightower gave the reason that uh, he just had uh, a baby that was born on July 16th, and that's a, a family issue. Want to keep his family safe? Certainly understandable. Uh, they also had uh, Brandon Bolden, running back, fullback Danny. Uh, I think it's Vitali or Vital or however you want to say it. Uh, they had a practice squad player in Najee Turan, who plays on the offensive line as well, also opt out. And then uh, Patrick Chung and uh, so a few of those names you definitely know. If you're a, a Bronco fan, you know Patrick Chung and you know Dante Hightower just from being a football fan. Uh, some of the other names you might not know. I think Brandon Bolden people probably know as well. But that's a pretty big list of impact players that the Patriots are going to have to deal with, a- along with uh, you know losing starters like Tom Brady, for example, or Kyle Van Noy is on the list of starters that they lost. And so... What you're, I think, what you're probably going to see here with this, and I'm going to, you know, just kind of get into a little bit of the COVID 19 stuff. I think that what you're probably going to see across the league, especially, uh, is players who are going to be looking at their family situations and making some decisions about what is best for their family. It'll have to, they'll have to take into account financial issues. They'll have to take into account uh, how the, how how they are feeling about being in a situation where they might have to go to go back to work in a, in an industry where there's not a lot of social distancing. Uh, you know, as a teacher, I know I'm dealing with some of that as well. You know, how's it going to look when we go back? And I, I don't know, <laughs> it's late July and I still have no idea. Uh, and so like a, like a Dante Hightower with a, a new baby in, in the house, uh, um, you know, a, presumably a mother who for a little while is going to be somewhat immunocompromised. Uh, it's probably safer for them to stay away and he can probably financially afford to be able to not play. And that's something you'll see with a lot of players. They're going to be making those types of decisions based on that. So the, the Patriots, while they've had maybe the most players opt out are really sort of an example of what you will start to see with other teams as players start to evaluate their family situations and their financial situations and what they can afford to do and what they, what they can, you know, feel like they have to do for their families. That being said, Ian, this feels like it might be something a little different if we want to put on our tinfoil hats. And before we get into that, Patrick Chong is also expecting a child. So thank you. I I missed that part. I think that's one of the main reasons he opted out. And then there's other big name players who have already done so on Tuesday. uh, Michael Pierce with the Vikings opted out because he has uh, respiratory issues. Mm -hmm. So he's considered uh, high risk, at least that's according to Ian Rappaport with uh, NFL Network. Star Latulale with the Bills has also opted out. So those are some of the big names that are starting to come at this point. Also, as for uh, the cons- Kansas City Chiefs, uh, to, what, I can't say his name, and I should be able to because it's French. Duvernay, to, you, you say it. <laughs> he's the right guard. Right guard for the Chiefs. <laughs> he plays next to Mitchell Schwartz, the guy next to Mitchell Schwartz, who the Broncos should have signed. Who is, who is of, also a doctor, by the way, and you know, Canadian doctor. I mean, there's that's pretty cool. And just since we mentioned Mitchell, Mitchell Schwartz, just remember John Elway could have signed him, but instead chose Donald Stevenson. That was, unnecessary. That was an unnecessary salt in the wound situation, but okay. In terms of the tinfoil hat, because it's Bill Belichick and it's New England Patriots. He's legitimately telling these guys to opt out so they can get Trevor Lawrence. That's that's a that's the conspiracy theory. And here's here's what we've been saying, not me because I don't like to say it cuz I don't like it being out there, but I'll say it now so that Ian doesn't have to. Ian has been saying and a lot of people uh I think might sign on to something like this that the potential for the Patriots to tank this season 
ensuring that they have a number one draft pick headed into the Trevor Lawrence draft. That feels like something Bill Belichick would be willing to orchestrate. And now what you are seeing is the potential for him to use opting out players as a way to just have you know your team not be as good as they could be. So now you're opting out. And as you're opting out, you're having, you know, you're, you're, you can just sort of see their record getting worse and worse to the point where come 2021, when it's time for the draft, the Patriots have a high draft pick close to number one, maybe number one. They can get a deal done to move up to number one and they can get Trevor Lawrence. Now that that's certainly a conspiracy theory. I, I'm, I don't know that we are necessarily saying that that's what's happening because I'm, we're not saying it, but we're not not saying it. Well, we're allowed to say it because it's Bill Belichick and it's the New England Patriots. This is the guy who deflates footballs and videotapes practices. And even after video gate still has a guy going into Cincinnati wearing a Bruins sweatshirt, videotaping the Bengals sideline. So it's not far fetched to say that Bill Belichick wants to have guys opt out even if they may be high risk or have expecting babies or just had a baby, it's not to say he's not nudging them. I think we'll really know the truth if Cam Newton opts out. Yeah, I you know, that would be a pretty big indicator. And it is something where you have to look at this. If I'm Bill Belichick, I might be in a position to say, hey, let's Let's go ahead and just not try so hard this year because it really doesn't do them any good to go eight and eight, right? We've been in that position as Bronco fans over the course of the last few years. You have the argument, would you rather your team go uh, eight and eight or, you know, four and 12 or, you know, know, depending on where you're drafting. And you have guys like a Scotty who once you're out of the playoffs, who cares if you win, get that high draft pick. I definitely understand that. Then you have other people out there who are, uh, you win at all costs and it doesn't matter. And then you have some people who are kind of in between. I think I would be an in-betweener on that. I think you win it, you you know, you, you win at all costs if it's like the Raiders or the chiefs, but anybody else, maybe it doesn't, I don't know. It's, It's one of those things where the business side of that decision to say, we don't need to win any games this year because we could be set at quarterback for another 20 years like they were with Tom Brady before he left. That's an enticing little that's an enticing little carrot to sort of chase after there for Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. It'll really be interesting to see what other teams start to make the move to have players opt out. I did air quotes on that. You couldn't see it. This is a podcast. And then lose as many games as possible so that you could go ahead and draft Trevor Lawrence, or, and I'm going to say that the name is escaping me, the the quarterback out of Ohio State, and I can't remember his name, but he is also considered to be an extremely high uh, prospect at quarterback. So there's there's two guys there that are really potentially starters for the next 10 to 15 years in the NFL. I will say that it is nice to be able to joke about the New England Patriots because it's the New England Patriots and no one listening to this podcast likes them or Bill Belichick. In all seriousness, I think it's big that the NFL and the NFLPA were able to agree to allow players to opt out because there was serious talk that they wouldn't be allowed to do that because it's the NFL. And we all know how the NFL really doesn't care about its players, given that they still don't have guaranteed contracts. But it is nice. It it, it was a big step to allow them, the players who whether it was because they have an, a, a baby on the way or just had a baby or they're high risk because of respiratory issues or other health issues that may prevent them from playing, or they just, they're scared. They don't want to. It's a big step to allow them to do that. And it is nice. And I, while it doesn't rhyme opt out for Trevor and eh, nah. tank for Trevor, maybe, Opt out and tank for Trevor. Sure. Yeah, you get a little bit of the the whole story in there with the opting out and the tanking for sure. You, you bring up a really good point, and I would be curious, and I don't know that anybody could conduct this poll and actually get any answers, but I'd be curious to know about the anxiety level of players 
going back into the NFL, getting ready to play. Uh, and, and the reason I say that, and I, 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 you know, sort of personalize it a little bit. And, and again, as a teacher, as someone who, you know, my day job is to, is to teach students. I work with people who, uh, you know, in our conversations, as we are getting closer and closer to the start of the school year and, uh, school districts are trying to determine what to do. There are a lot of teachers out there who are wanting to opt out. And I, you know, I know that there are districts that are giving that option as well. Uh, opting out, meaning that instead of being, in-person teaching, they're doing the the distance learning stuff. Uh, I, I wonder what type of anxiety, because I'm a little anxious about it, in truth. You know, I, I've sort of resigned myself to the fact that I'm going to do whatever I'm told to do, and it's, it, and I'll do everything I have to do to make sure that I'm safe uh, and my family is safe, and we can, we can do those things. But what type of anxiety is running through these players as they're getting ready to – I mean, I, I don't tackle my students. It's against the rules. How, how much anxiety do they have knowing that – Football is a contact sport where you cannot avoid contact, contact on every single play. And so what are, what are obviously players that are opting out, the anxiety is high enough that they're making that decision or the concern for their family is high enough. What about players who are in the middle there? You know, players that are, they know they need to play because they need the money and they need to uh, maintain their career because a lot of, a lot of times in the NFL, you miss a year, you're gone how much anxiety do they have about being on the field with other people and the potential of uh, catching the coronavirus and what the health risks might be and, and those kinds of things. And, and setting all the political, what you believe and what you don't believe aside, just the anxiety of having that hang over your head has to have an impact on players and the way that they are approaching the coming season. It just has to. I think this is where it's important to come back full circle. I think it comes back to how your organization handles it and the kind of leadership that they've put in place and how serious it takes it. That's the, that, that to me, that's the biggest first step. So if you're a Bronco, for example, you know, Joe Ellis and the Denver Broncos are taking this seriously. So that should give you a little bit of peace of mind. It should let you know, okay, I'm still, I still may be, a little concerned about this and uneasy, unsure of what's going to happen or what will happen, but at least the Broncos have taken this first step. They're taking it serious. That shows me that I can come in and I can have a peace of mind that I can be safe, but my family can be safe. The people who I interact with can be safe and my teammates' families can be safe. So, that's why it's so important that the Broncos have taken a progressive step and taken it serious like they have and putting these steps in place, all of these precautions to ensure that their players can have that peace of mind. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos. Broncos.